Hey there, and welcome to the Two Mom Life Podcast, a show for moms like us balancing it all and ready to live an inspired and full life. Everybody, welcome. I'm your host, Jody Freed, mom of four, Jewish community professional, and mother's empowerment coach. Motherhood is a journey, and on this podcast, inspired by Jewish thought, you will learn from other moms, receive practical advice, and loads of inspiration. Motherhood is messy and certainly not perfect. So here is to mom life, to finding your way, to finding perfect moments. Here is to you. Today's episode reminded me of that time when I was a mom for the first time and the second time and the third time and the fourth time. And when I had an infant, a baby in the house, and it took me back to the times when I wanted to pour my heart and soul into this child and help them develop the best way I could. And also to those times where I felt either bored or unsure of what to do to simulate myself and this baby. So this episode is dedicated to all the new and veteran moms out there who want just a little bit of support and guidance on what to do with a newborn. This episode is focused on the first few months of life and we touch on some really, really helpful tips. So here is to mom life. Here is to you. And here is Sharon Maisel. Hi guys. Welcome back to the two mom life podcast. I am so excited to be here today with Sharon Maisel, who's an author, a speaker, a parenting coach, and expert. She was a co-author on what to expect when you're expecting. And she's here to talk to us about our baby's development, how to stimulate our kids and maybe ourselves in the first year of our baby's lives. So this, I think, is just a very special topic because that time is so precious and goes by in a flash. And I get a lot of questions from my clients about how they can support their babies and their infants. So there's no better person to bring on and talk to about it than Sharon. Sharon, you want to say hi and introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, everybody. And thank you so much, Jody, for having me on your podcast. I'm thrilled to be talking to you and your audience, moms, and maybe some dads too. As you mentioned, I co-authored the What to Expect When You're Expecting books, What to Expect the First Year, What to Expect the Second Year, and so on. These days, I spend most of my time on social media. I have Sharon Maisel on Instagram. I have almost 150,000 followers. Check it out. <laughs> I give bite-sized parenting information every day, and I talk a lot about ways to stimulate your baby and toddler, really a lot about babies, because new parents really want to learn that. And you're right, it does go by in a flash, and there are so many things that you can do with your baby to really help stimulate their mental and physical growth, even though your baby sometimes seems like a blob. But really, even very early on, you could do so many things that really enhance their development. So I'm excited about today's topic. Awesome. And guys, Sharon's Instagram account is one of my favorites. I love what she puts out there. So definitely check it out. Thank you. Yeah, cool. So let's just dive right in. Maybe let's start with motor skills, small motor skills. What are some things that parents can do to help our babies strengthen and enhance their small motor development? 
That's a great question because you can start working with your baby. And I use that term working with your baby, even though it's really playing with your baby, but playing is how babies learn and that's really their work. So you can start doing things to enhance small motor development really from the first week of life or the first month of life. Babies have these amazing reflexes. And one of them is the palmer reflex, which is when you put something, either your finger or a rattle or anything inside the baby's palm. And then they just instinctively and reflexively just curl their fingers around that object. So you can put any object in your one-day-old, two-day-old baby's hand and they'll curl their fingers around it and giving them something to hold will start to teach them, oh, if I'm holding something in my hand, I also may be able to see it. And if they put it in front of their face and then shake it, right? If, if it's a rattle, then they start to hear. And then they start to learn about coordination in terms of, oh, if I move my hand with something in it that's making noise, I'm in control of the noise. So mm. something as simple as putting a rattle in a baby's hand stimulates so many senses and development and of course, those small murder skills. Another thing that you can start really early on with your baby is to get a play gym for your baby. It's just a play mat that has a bar with toys hanging from it. And even a one, two, three, four week old can start looking at it, first of all, but also swatting. They're like, bat their hands at the play bar and try to reach those toys. And again, it's a matter of them, first of all, gaining that hand-eye coordination and learning, well, if I move my hand this way, it will actually touch that hanging toy. And if I bang it, it will shake back and forth. It will make a noise. It might light up, whatever it happens to be. So that teaches those small motor skills really, mm. really early on. So you can start doing these things in the first month and, and really enhance small motor skill development. Obviously, as the baby gets older, there are other things that you can do. You can give them toys that they'll be able to handle and pick up. Babies at first, I mentioned the Palmer reflex, but there's also something called the Palmer grasp, which is anything before nine months old, usually when a baby will grab an item, uh, toy or food with the entire palm. Okay. Um, the, the pincer grasp, which is when they're um, picking something up between their thumb and forefinger, that won't be developed until around nine months. So before that, babies will be grabbing things with their entire hands, their entire palm. It's called the palmer grasp. So if you give them a toy that's large enough, such as a large block or a large ball, which I mean large enough to fit in their hand. Their hands, yeah for their hand to right to be able to pick up, they'll start to learn how to pick things up. And again, it's that same movement of, oh, if I shake it, it will make noise. If I hold it in my hand and then let it drop, that's gravity. And I can open up my palm and see what happens. Babies will start to learn how to take what they have in one hand and bring it to the other hand. And these are these small motor skills um, that they're learning um, over time. And of course, I just mentioned the pincer grasp, which is again, picking up small objects. Um, they always have to be safe, but it's great. You can practice with um, food, right? You put out uh -huh. little Cheerios and yeah. then they'll pick up those Cheerios with their thumb and um, index finger and hopefully they'll eat it as well. But that's really helped develop those small motor skills. And those are really important things that you can do throughout the whole first year. As you get closer to 12 months, you can start rolling a ball back and forth. And that will help, again, your baby develop that hand-eye coordination and those small motor skills of reaching for the ball, trying to catch the ball. Again, you're not throwing it yet, but you're rolling it. Throwing will come later, but there's all those kinds of toys and small and large that will help those small motor skills develop. So tell me about attention span. For what period of time, like, is it healthy or typical for a baby to say tolerate or want to hold that rattle and shake it or to roll the ball back and forth when they're closer to that 12 month mark? What should a parent expect or aim for? So 
every single baby is different. And so I'll say something and I'll say, this is the average. And then I'll get parents tell me, but wait, my child can't even do one minute of that. Or my child can do 15 minutes of that. And I always remind parents that averages are just averages. Usually 50% of babies aren't doing it exactly that. 50% are, you know, we always have that big range. So yeah, I think a better way than me answering that with a time and saying, you know, at one month, you'll have one minute to because that's not really the yeah. case. I think the best thing that I can say as an answer to that question is to always watch your baby. So if you're playing with your baby, and it doesn't matter if your baby is one month or seven months, if you're playing with your baby and your baby starts to show signs of being bored or not interested or not wanting to be stimulated anymore with the play, then it's time to stop. So that could be, what would those signs be? It could be crying or fussing. For a younger baby, it might be turning their head away. For a really young baby, it might actually be falling asleep (laughs) in the middle (laughs) of this playing session. Some babies will arch their back. Some younger babies, obviously we're talking about like four months or younger, probably. Interestingly, and I remember hearing this from some experts and I was like, how interesting, but some young babies, when you're playing with them and then they start to hiccup, that's often a sign that they're not interested in playing anymore and their attention span is like gone. No (laughs) way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know. I don't really understand why that is the case. Wow. I never would have thought. That's what I'm... Yeah, Yeah. I don't know. I should do more research on that and try to figure out exactly why there's a connection between hiccuping and lack of interest signs that your baby's had too much play stimulation. Yeah. So I think that's a better way as a parent of thinking about how long will my baby want to be playing instead of like putting a hard number on it, because it's not only that every baby is different, but every day is different. So there might be one day where your baby is really into playing and could last 10 minutes, you know, with really one-on-one stimulation. And maybe that same baby, either three hours later or the next day, will only be able to sustain attention for a minute. Mm -hmm. And so being attuned to your baby's cues are always going to be much better than putting a hard number on it. Yeah, I love that. So really what I'm hearing is follow your baby's lead. Exactly. And I say that about everything, you know, whether it's hunger cues, certainly when you're feeding on demand. I mean, that's what feeding on demand means when you're talking about for a newborn. That's really sleeping, looking for those sleep cues. Having structure throughout the day is very important. I do believe in structure, not a rigid schedule, but having some kind of routine that can be followed. And so um, it makes your life as a parent easier. And it also is much better for your baby. Babies and toddlers and young children thrive with routines. So having that is important at the same time, however, following your baby's lead will also be important. So it's really finding that balance between what the clock says or what you think or what you are hoping your baby might sustain attention to or might be able to stay awake for. But it's also watching your baby and letting your baby tell you what he or she needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very nice. Very cool. Okay, so let's move on to say large motor development. How can we foster that? So large motor development is so much fun in the first year because There is so much that happens, right? Your baby will start from, as I mentioned before, literally being a blob and not being able (laughs) to do anything to around 12 months, the end of the first year, probably taking their first step. Now, again, many babies don't take their first step until 18 months, but let's just assume for our conversation today in that first year, they're going from not even being able to hold their head up on their own to being able to walk. And that's astonishing. So we can help develop those large motor skills by giving our babies lots and lots of opportunity to develop those large motor skills. And I say that because yes, babies will do it naturally. They'll learn how to roll over naturally. They'll learn how to crawl or sit or pull up and cruise and and walk, but they have to be given the opportunity to get into those positions. So sometimes parents will hold their baby too much during the day. 
again, I'm not talking about newborns. Newborns can be held in the first eight weeks. That's wonderful for a newborn. But once you pass the newborn stage, holding your baby all day is not great. Passing the newborn stage is when? Is that eight weeks? Yeah, six to eight weeks is is usually what the newborn stage kind of covers. So um, holding your baby, keeping your baby in a sling or a carrier all day, not great. Keeping your baby in a swing or a bouncy seat or an exosaucer or um, any kind of container, not great. So all those things are fine. It's great to have your baby in a carrier or a sling. It's great to hold your baby if you want to. It's fine to put your baby in a swing or a bouncer seat. But the best thing that you can do for your baby is to let your baby have time on the floor, uncontained. So this way your baby can learn, first of all, what it feels like to be on their back, on their tummy, on their side. Obviously, tummy time, hugely important for those large motor skills. Your baby needs to learn how to lift his head, to raise her shoulders, to you know push up on the arms. Your baby will never be able to do that if um, you never give them the opportunity to do that. Yeah. So lots of floor time and lots of different positions is something that I recommend all the time to parents. And you might ask me and I might, I'm going to preempt you because how long is it okay for babies to be in a swing or a bouncy seat? Okay. So here I'll give you actual numbers. Okay. <laughs> um, the, the recommendations are to limit time that a baby spends in a container 15 to 30 minutes at a time, not more than two to three times a day. So I usually recommend not more than twice a day, maximum of 30 minutes at a time in these containers. Because remember, your baby in the first year is doing a lot of sleeping. There's a lot of naps. So that limits the playtime. There's going to be time when your baby's in a stroller because you're going out and you're shopping. That's in a container. So when you're home, the best place for your baby is on the floor. Now, do you consider a container for these purposes also a carrier? Yes. So again, a carrier when you're just hanging around the house. Obviously, if you're using a carrier to go shopping, that would be equivalent to using a stroller to go shopping. Those are things that you have to do. But when you're in the house or in wherever you happen to be with your baby during the play times, not when it's shopping time or playground time or I'm holding my baby because they're about to go to sleep time, but playing time. If during playing time, your baby's in a container even a carrier, that's limiting the the time that the baby can flex those large motor skills that we're talking about, right? It's like learning how to swim. If you're never given the opportunity to be in a body of water, how will you learn how to swim? This is so great. I just wish I could like go back in time in, in that way with my kids <laughs> do things a little differently, but it's all good. So let's talk about tummy time for one minute. What often happens in tummy time, at least what happened with my kids, is they'd be on their tummy for like two minutes and then they'd start screaming. So we were talking earlier about following their cues. Do you do that with tummy time also, or do you need to let them cry on their tummy for a while? I love that question. That is really a great question. Um, So first, let's acknowledge that your baby will hate tummy time. That is normal. It's rare that a baby loves tummy time, especially in the beginning. So obviously, when they're getting to be closer to the crawling state, they're usually fine on their tummies. But in the beginning, 99.99% of babies will hate it, and they will protest within 30 seconds, a minute, etc. So I always tell parents to work up slowly and to recognize that 30 seconds or a minute when your baby is a week old or two weeks old in tummy time is fine. And not to expect 15 minutes of even a month old or two months old at a stretch of tummy time and that your baby would be happy. Like don't expect too much. And there are ways, and we could talk about this in a second, there are ways to make tummy time more enjoyable. But to answer your question, which I absolutely love, there is And this, I would say in all parenting, not just about tummy time, but parenting is a balancing act. It's a balancing act between following your baby's cues, but also 
knowing, because you're the parent, knowing that sometimes it's okay for your baby to struggle because we as humans learn through frustration sometimes. We learn through making mistakes. And again, we learn through being given the opportunity to struggle through things so that we can succeed. So if you put your baby down, and I'm not talking about a one week old, but let's say it's a six or eight or 12 month old, you put your baby down in tiny time and within 30 seconds, they start crying. I wouldn't rush to pick your baby up out of tummy time. Now I wouldn't force your baby to stay in tummy time for 15 minutes, that sort of thing. But sometimes 30 seconds or a minute and a half of crying or struggling is okay Mm. for a baby. Again, when I say watch your baby, read your baby, if your baby is miserable, if your baby just ate and now is throwing up because the, the pressure on their tummy is not pleasant, if your baby is not feeling well, if your baby is overtired, if it's just been a hard day and then your baby is crying in tummy time, pick your baby up. But if you know that your baby is in the right frame of mind for learning, developing, and really gaining those skills, and then your baby feels a little frustrated immediately when you place them into that tummy time position, it's okay to let them struggle for 30 to 60 seconds or even longer um, because that's how they learn. And sometimes they stop struggling on their own or they stop crying because they're like, oh, okay, I'm in this position. Now let me figure out what I have to do. Beautiful. Yeah. And parenting is such a balancing act. So yeah, that's really helpful. It's something that I always wondered when my kids were at that stage. And you know, there's just so much doubt around being a mom and especially being a new mom. So thanks for giving that some clarity. I appreciate it. Of course. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the things that you alluded to, to help make tummy time a little more fun and interesting. I think for both mom and baby. Exactly. Right. It's funny. It's like, who is more unhappy about the tummy time, the mom or the baby, right? (laughs) Sometimes it's hard to uh, to discern. First of all, if you just plop your baby down in tummy time and then expect your baby to be happy with nothing around them, without you around them, then of course they're going to be miserable, not just because they're in tummy time, but because they're bored. So if you get yourself down on your tummy and then go face to face with your baby, that already becomes more palatable to your baby because your baby is interacting with you, just he happens to be on his tummy. Yeah. Um, if you put a toy in front of her that she happens to love or a mirror so she could see herself, that makes it more exciting. And possibly your baby will be so enamored by her reflection in the mirror that she may not even realize that she's unhappy about being on her tummy. <laughs> you can lie down on your back and then put your baby tummy down on your tummy. Uh-huh. So that's another um, position that, that your baby is still getting tummy time, but it's not only on the floor. You can, you can lie down and put your knees up, raise your knees up and keep your calves flat, and then put your baby on your calves, holding your baby, of course. So your baby's on his tummy, but he sees you. Because remember, the tummy time is not about being on the floor or even about pressing tummy down. The position is about having your baby learn the skills of lifting his head and supporting it, moving his head from side to side, lifting the shoulders and the upper body. Those are the skills. So it doesn't matter where those skills are happening, whether it's on your own body, on your knees or on the floor. So as parents, like think about what the skills that are being learned are, and that will help you realize these rules that we all say, like put your baby on the floor it's not about the floor. It's about the, the, the physical sensation and positioning that really will help those large muscles develop. What an important distinction. Thank you for pointing that out. It's not about, yeah, being on the floor. Okay. So let's transition. What do we do in that first year to help our baby's language? 
So just like we talked about um, those motor skills, right? There's so much development in the first year. There's so much development in the language skills department as well, because they go from just being able to cry, and that's the only way that baby will communicate when they're first born, to cooing and gurgling and then talking and saying that their first word by the end of the first year on average. Again, some babies are earlier, some babies are later, but usually by 12 months, you'll get maybe a word. So the best way to foster language development is to create a culture of language around your baby so that your baby comes to understand that crying is not the only way of communication. And again, the cooing will start maybe at four weeks old, six weeks old, eight weeks old, depending on your baby. When your baby coos, coo back to your baby. Your baby's not saying a word, but your baby is, ah, ah, mimic those sounds. And your baby will start to learn the art of conversation and that he or she can use his or her mouth to say things that Mm. this other person, my parent, um, will understand. And so when your baby coos, coo back. When your baby gurgles, gurgle back. Talk to your baby throughout the day. So narrate what you're doing okay, it's time to change your diaper. I'm going to take your diaper off. Oh, I'm going to wipe your tushy. I'm go- right, these kind of things. Yeah. Let's, it's time for your bottle. Let's go in the stroller. We're going to go shopping. Your baby won't understand it, obviously, early on. But the more you narrate the day, the more you talk to your baby, the more your baby will be exposed to language. It's not just about talking, though. It's also your baby is watching your facial expressions, which helps with the communication. So smile to your baby. Obviously around six weeks old is when your baby will first start to smile to you. So smile, show surprise. There's different facial expressions we humans all use. So don't be shy in showing them to your baby because that's also part of communication. Yeah, that's great. Would you say that the nonverbal communication, like the expressions are as important, less important, more important than the verbal? I would say they are probably as important as a complement to the verbal. I think that this may be a little more nuanced than you were asking, but I'll mention it anyway. Babies are really attuned to what parents are feeling, not only what parents are saying. So if we are feeling worried or stressed, our children will usually um, sense that from us, certainly as our kids get older. But even young babies can really feel the stress of their parents. So facial expressions and body language is also very, very important in the realm of communication. And so both in positive and negative, right? So if we can show what happiness looks like to our baby, that's a great teaching tool of that body language, facial expressions, and words can convey. On the flip side, If we're really angry at something that happened or stressed out because our babies aren't sleeping or something crazy happened at work, our baby will sense that. So sometimes we have to be careful about our body language and our facial expressions and our words. So it's a double-edged sword, but it is equally important because babies take in everything. They are sponges in the first Mm -hmm. year. So what your facial expression is saying, they're noticing. They're noticing. Thank you. Awesome. Well, before we close up, tell us what's one piece of advice that you have for parents out there. One piece of advice. Gosh, there's so many. I have spent over two decades (laughs) giving many pieces of advice. Um, I think the biggest piece of advice is for parents to remember that every child is unique. And that means that every child will be on his or her own developmental timeline. And it's really hard as parents, and I have four children, so I certainly know um, what it's like. It's very hard um, for us not to compare either our children to someone else's child or even to uh, our own children if we have more than one. Um, But it's really important to remember that each child is uniquely special. And the advice for parents is instead of worrying about what our children aren't doing yet, oh, he's not crawling or she's not speaking yet, 
celebrate what our kids are doing. Oh, he's rolling over and oh, look, she just smiled at me. And that will, I think, help tamp down on some of the anxiety that, mm. um, is, that, that we as parents feel a lot. It's, our children will meet their milestones when it's their time. So beautiful. Wow. Thank you so much again for joining me. Where can everybody find you and find out more about the courses that you offer and everything that you do? You can find me on my website, SharonMazel.com um, or on Instagram, Sharon Maisel. I try to keep it simple. It's just my name. <laughs> and yeah, I have some amazing things coming down the pike. I have new courses that are coming up. I have e-guides. You can find that all on my website or on my Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Listeners, all you listening out there, we will post Sharon's links in the show notes so that you can just click and check out more. Thank you again for joining us for this conversation. As you know, I know that you could spend your time many places and I really cherish and value that you choose to spend it here with us on the Two Mom Life podcast. So thanks for joining us. And until next time, bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Two Mom Life podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please remember to rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like to learn more about me and my work helping moms feel filled up and in balance, or helping moms integrate family adventures, big and small, into mom life, or to explore how we can work together, visit my website, loveadventuremom.com, or find me on Facebook and Instagram at the handle loveadventuremom. Till next time, l'chaim to life.